Welcome back folks to Two Bits One Puck. I'm your host, Mr. Intangibles, and a vampire boy, Dan Masters, with my good friend, the leader of Hockey Human Resources, and a man who for some reason cares about his family more than this show. Well, every human, Will, how are you doing? Uh, very, very tired, Dan. Very tired and um, afraid of some potentially impending conjunctivitis over the Christmas period. It is a late Friday recording, folks, because... Uh, there may be a disease around Will's house, so avoid that area if you can. Yeah, if, if you could not... Uh, well, I mean, if you want to stake my house out, just know that you're at risk of, of entering the, the infection zone. And a, a grotty little toddler may or may not give you a little bit of Christmas cheer. A grotty toddler. <laughs> That's such a good description. It's true, when they get poorly, they're so grotty. It's so oh, true. Because like, they're, they're tired and they feel ill and they don't understand it, so they get really angry can't control their emotions and stuff and you know bless her but let's go on to some hockey things i do have a question of the week i wanted to kind of get this out of the way go on before we get into the main body of the show mark crawford will have returned from suspension in january and the black Hawks released a statement saying that after investigating what mark had done in his past they found that he was actually attending ongoing counseling for such matters and crawford then released his own statement apologizing for everything that happened it was obviously signed off with and neither of us will have more comments to make at this time. We did some speculation last week, but my question more this week was, can people be rehabilitated? Do we give them a second chance? At what point do we cut them off? I don't know. I'll just get your thoughts on that. I think it's it's a weird one with the Crawford thing because it's it was sort of known about already, or, or at least, you know, the style of coach that you know, no one no one was unaware that Mark Crawford is a bit of a dick or had been a bit of a dick in the past, you know what I mean? And yeah, he's the yeah. only the only coach in this sort of spate of, of revealings about conduct who, yeah, has actually shown any sort of remorse and tried to tried to better themselves, like you say, attending counselling and stuff, and he's, he says he's been working on himself for the past decade. Crikey, if that's not enough to... I don't know. It's it's a hard one. I think... Obviously, it's really good what, what Crawford's done, and, and you are inclined to give him a second chance. What did Crawford do again? Remind me. It's all, it feels like it's been like six months since all that stuff. Oh, wasn't it? Was, yeah, was wasn't it physical the physical abuse um, again? Physical abuse. Yeah, like he kicked Sean Avery and Patrick O'Sullivan had mentioned something. Which, yeah, that was it. That was it. Um, yeah. He's already gone down that path sort of thing and, and shown notable steps have been taken to change his behaviour, then what good is it going to do sacking him from the job now? A job that has nothing to do with it. I, I agree. It, I think yeah. I think there's a, a few things at play. It was long enough ago, not that time really matters, but it was long enough ago that you can say, well, he's been having counselling now for nearly 10 years for whatever situation this is. So it's clear that he has shown remorse and he showed remorse way back then. It wasn't just thrust upon him to show remorse. And I think that it's different to the to the Bill Peters thing because Bill Peters didn't seem to give a shit and didn't even want to apologise to anybody in particular. He just mm-hmm. sort of said, eh, things happen, eh? What are you going to do? You get the Whereas sense Mark Crawford's Bill Peters got, has got home from the day and was cursing Akeem Alou in all sorts of uh, epithets that he's already yeah, exactly. to be using. Like, yeah, like you say, Bill Peters showed absolutely no remorse. And, and yeah, like Crawford taking it upon himself rather than waiting to be caught... <laughs> Is a massive thing. It's a massive thing. But it does it, it does beg the question though. Like, can you oh God, this it's such a grey area. Can you say it's hockey culture? I don't know. 
I would never do, I would know to never do anything where somebody could accuse me of anything. I would never talk to people a certain way. I would never physically abuse them. I would never racially abuse them because I know that's wrong. Whereas, like, can you let Crawford off because he's done that and then sought help for that? I don't know. It's a massive gray area. It's kind of my thoughts on it. There you go. It's a tricky one, but like we say, the, the Blackhawks and Crawford have seemed to put a nice tidy bar around it, which seems to be the now new hockey statement, which is, and I'll have nothing more to say on the matter kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. rather than uh, getting out there in front of it with no comment, it's I'll say as little as possible and then reinstate the fact that I'm not going to say anything else about it. It's a, it's a really hard one, isn't it? It's a really hard one. But like you see it in fucking criminal law and stuff like that. Like if, a, if an offender has shown that they've taken steps off their own back to improve and change their behaviour, then you tend to get a softer sentencing or whatever, don't you? Yeah, yeah. So I suppose it makes sense in real life too. But Strange one though. All right, let's go on with the show. Let's do it. everybody it's that time of the week it is the smooth recap great financial news as the boston bruins become the fifth nhl franchise valued at a billion dollars with so many teams worth more than the combined gdp of some nations we must remember to keep the salary cap as low as possible as to not financially burden these poor owners nhl rule pedantry has hit an all-time high as Ilya Labushkin is issued a penalty for playing without a helmet. Problem is, the helmet was forcibly removed by Van der Kane, who received no such reprimand. The 101st best player in NHL history scored his 400th goal this week. If only Evgeny Malkin had more to his name, like an Art Ross, or a Hart Trophy, or a Conn Smythe, or multiple Stanley Cups, he may have cracked the top 100 list. News from the terraces, St. Louis Blues fans were chanting Cronky sucks after scoring an empty net goal against Stan's Colorado Avalanche. As a lifelong Arsenal fan, I have to agree. Even in the darkest days for the Red Wings, there are glimmers of hope. Former college basketball star Philip Proneck hits nothing but net, as he shoots the puck the entire length of the rink and into the goal, without ever touching the ice. In some unjust news, Patrick Kane has surpassed Sidney Crosby for the lead in points scored this decade. He's hoping a masked man can don the number 87 for the Penguins, and we can all agree to forget that Sid is still injured. I can't believe this has happened for the first time ever. Devastation in the Masters household, as the new go and Mr Mount Rushmore, Sidney Crosby, drops into second place behind Patrick Kane in the decade scoring race, (laughs) with no chance of reclaiming it. Antoine Roussel is peddling some socially acceptable xenophobia for anyone who will listen. Speaking in, on Montreal fans invading the Canucks arena, the Frenchman said, It pisses me off the way they come into our building and feel like it's their home. It's our home. Get the hell out of here. Reports of players asking to be paid by the minute in the new CBA, terrified noted organ thief and future street urchin Eugene Melnick. 
as Thomas Shabbat logs 37 minutes and 50 seconds in an OT loss to the Tampa Bay Lightning. Jacob Markstrom has posted a 43-save shutout, while Roberto Luongo is no longer playing hockey. Glad we're finally able to label this trade from year, six years ago a success for the Canucks. And that was your smooth recap. Dude, episode 95, 96, Jeez, for the first time ever we crossed we, we crossed swords. Beautiful, <laughs> absolutely beautiful. At least, it, at least it was over yeah, a really outrageous thing to have happened. Rather than just some yeah, mundane that's true. bullshit. I was gutted. I was no, he's like, no, Crosby has to lead the points <laughs> for the uh, for the decade. So, in theory, Patrick Kane is now the the third best player in the history of the game. That's how it works, isn't it? No, but I'm quickly trying to think of a reason why. <laughs> and I can't. Facts are facts. Nobody, Shit. nobody likes it, but <sighs> yeah, well done, Patrick. Congratulations. It's fine though because I've got Crosby's got more points per game over that time, so I'm going to go with that method instead. I'm doing what everyone does. I'm 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 choosing stats to fit my narrative, so I'm going to go. With, I'm going to go with that instead. Yeah, Get points. It's points per game that matter. He's played infinitely more games under the number eighty-seven than Patrick Kane has. So, absolute you know, leaps and bounds ahead of him in that category. I don't care. He's still the new goat on Mister Mount Rushmore. I've copyrighted those names now, Will. I have to stick with it. I've filed the copyright for him. Surely, like George <laughs> yeah. Washington is Mr. Ra- Mount Rushmore. No. No? No. Or maybe oh. Jimmy Stewart. All right. Who is winning the cup? I've got a singular player winning the cup this week, Dan, and he's the only player who could possibly win the cup from now until the end of time. It's uh, it's Andrei Svechnikov for uh, his <laughs> oh, yeah. multiple lacrosse goals in a. Uh, Crazy. As people have been saying, like it's like the dam's burst. We never had one in the NHL. Svechnikov has done two in a season. It's just mental. Like He's he's unlocked it. And now they're calling it the Svechnikov as well. They're not calling it the lacrosse goal anymore because he's done it twice. He does now. He now owns it. That's it. <laughs> well, I think I think there's somebody else who'd like to uh, lay claim to the uh, to the lacrosse goal title, but we'll uh, we'll cover him a bit later, Dan. <laughs> Fair enough. Winning the cup for me this week is the Toronto Maple Leafs, and in particular, one Frederick Anderson. He is the fastest European goal in history to get to 200 career wins. Jeez. And I know. And shout out a friend of the show, Paul Campbell, our, our goalie expert who pointed this out. He's around a 920 save percentage on a team that's in and around the playoffs where his backups are getting absolutely roasted. He is clearly their best player. If he's like just average up to this point... The Leafs are not even in contention. They're not even close. And and he just, he's so good. And it's a, I know it's an ongoing story, but if the Leafs had even, like, something close to a decent backup, they'd be so much better than they are now. Yeah, which is which is mental, really, isn't it? I can't I believe know, the Leafs crazy. are still out of a playoff spot. It's insane, right? Oh, that's, that's bonkers. And the other, the other side of the story is as well is that at the moment Anderson is on a very team friendly deal. So yeah, like, five five mil, isn't it? Five mil flat. Yeah. So all he's got to do is look in his own division at two goalers making ten million plus, and he must be thinking, "Hang on a minute." Especially Bobrovsky, who is <laughs> oh dearie, dearie me. But I mean, based off the based off the current cap and the other goalies being paid. He he's easily worth nine, eight, nine, ten million. I reckon he'll probably get like a two grass type contract when he uh when he resigns. I guess so. 
But I can I can see a GM out there looking at it and going, "Oh yeah, we'll give Frederick Anderson ten million. Why not?" Oh, I don't know. I don't have a perception of him. Is that high though? Yeah, but it will be by the time it comes to free when he gets to free agency. I think so. Yeah, potentially. Like the he's he's been a bit of a victim of the team in front of him not being good enough. You know. Oh yeah, totally. Like well, he he's he, he's their he's their best player for sure. He hasn't. Yeah. Well. Yeah, I don't know. He's beauty perf- is. He's performing. He so is. He's he's performing the best. But does that make you your the team's best player? I don't know how you've just put those words together in a sentence and then asked me that question. All right. <laughs> if okay. he's performing the best, is he the best player? Yes, is the answer. So let me let me frame it in a different light. You're playing playing football manager. Go on then. Playing Chapman. Yeah. <laughs> Chapman, Chapman 2000, 2001. Yeah, Chapman, Chapman 2012. So you've got your, got your team, yeah? You've got your team. Say, uh, I don't know, say you're Real Madrid. Yeah, old school, okay. old school Real Madrid. Zinedine Zidane is your best player, yeah? Yeah. But um, but it turns out that, uh, that Gooty is... Uh, <laughs> Goot- Shout out to Gooty. Gooty has got... Uh, <laughs> It's got like you know over the last ten games or over the season even uh, is his form is like nine out of ten, but Zidane's is like eight point two out of ten. Doesn't mean that Zidane's not the best player on the team. It just means that Gucci's playing the best. I kind of see what <laughs> I kind of see what you're saying, but I, I would still say no. I'd still say Frederick Anderson's league's best player. Like Freddie's Freddie's the MVP, but everybody knows oh, that. <laughs> Let's not get into a heart conversation this early, shall we? <laughs> I just, I just think that you're not giving, you're not giving Nick Patan the respect that he deserves enough credit as, yeah. a, as a Maple Leafs best player. <laughs> I, I think you take him, you take him out of that team, they are much worse, much worse, and I think they yeah. can afford to lose other players, and it's fine. Yeah, but that doesn't mean he's their best player. He's He's a, their best goalie by a country mile, but you could say that about a lot of other teams. Like his um, was was Martin Jones the Sharks' best player when they went to uh, when they went to the cup final? Then, yeah, I don't know. I'd have to look at the underlying numbers. It it just depends on what you mean by best. Because like, is Frederick Hansen a better hockey player than Austin Matthews is? No, he's probably not. No, but is Austin Matthews a better goalie than Frederick Anderson? Aha. <laughs> Checkmate. <laughs> Such a fucking idiot. <laughs> oh, let's not get into a... Oh, God, let's not do this. Okay. Anyway, Frederick Anderson's winning the cup. <laughs> Who is getting relegated, Will? Uh, the the Arizona coat is getting relegated, Dan. It's, Ooh. it's over. It's over. They've made, it's a very, over. they've made a very poor decision. Damn, they've more... Breaking the, breaking the lead here is what's happening. Yeah. Okay, we'll get into this in a bit then. Fair enough. It's it's over. They've uh, yeah made a very bad decision. Why would you trade for a player who uh, has won more draft lotteries than he has playoff rounds and expect <laughs> to win the cup? <laughs> Just simple maths, mate. <laughs> okay. I'm gonna I'm gonna put that in my light bulb in my uh, my light bulb file and we'll we'll come back to that in a minute. <laughs> light bulb file. Who who have you got again relegated? Is it uh, is it the Leafs when Anderson gets down with injury? No, I'm gonna I'm gonna relegate Serie A. Well, <laughs> oh Jesus Christ! You know exactly why, don't you? In oh, the light, there's of nothing wrong with all this... what they've done. <clears throat> no, not at all. 
In the light of all this hockey news recently, some of it obviously pertaining to, to racism in the sport, Serie A, which is the Italian Premier League, basically, commissioned an artist to produce a piece of work for them to highlight the issues with racism in Italian football at the moment, which is rife. It is rife with it at the moment and a lot more blatant than you, in hockey. You say at the moment, like, it's been this way. Well, yeah, for, true. Sorry. Yes, I mean, it's been this way for years, but yeah. It, it's kind of being pushed to the forefront more and more and more um, recently. Do you remember what the so, um, what the Milan was it? Sylvia was it when Berlusconi was the president of Milan and they signed Balotelli? I think so. Yeah. Do you remember what he said? Berlusconi? No. He called the uninitiated Mario Balotelli a bit of a controversial footballer in the sense that he would you say flawed? Would you say flawed genius? Oh yeah, I mean, he's one of those players I always wanted to turn into what he could have been. I remember, I remember seeing him yeah. banging in some like thirty-five yard free kick for Inter, and just thinking, Jesus Christ, this kid is mustard. So he, he he's a he's a striker, an Italian striker of, of African heritage. When he first burst onto the scene as a as a teenager, supremely talented, banging in goals left, right, and center. But then you know it. As is the case for a lot of young players, you know, concerns about attitude, bouncing around a few clubs, X, Y, and Z, etc., etc. So he was signed by the uh, relatively famous Italian club, AC Milan, and their president at the time, who I believe was former Italian Premier Silvio Berlusconi, um, labelled him at uh, the press conference unveiling his signature for Milan. He labelled him the house N-word, or the family n-word at a press oh conference God. about signing Mario Balotelli so yeah that's that's how bad Italian football is yeah that's where it's at that's where so, it is to highlight to highlight the problem in Italy and to make sure people are aware of the issues the artist who was commissioned to produce a piece of work did so and the art he produced was three large canvases with apes on that had various colours around their faces. Now, to be fair, where to start? Where to go? I know you're going to say yes. The artist they commissioned, by the way, the artist that Serie A commissioned to highlight the problems with racism, is very well known for his work in producing works of art featuring monkeys and apes and various primates. It's basically all they he does. sought this guy. Yeah, they sought this guy out. Like they went and found this guy. To do this work, but that, which is a level of insanity. That doesn't admonish the artist, though. No, As, cause, cause because he should have just said, "No, nah, mate." Yeah, no, nah, that's <laughs> sorry, not, mate. That's that would be I, wildly inappropriate for me to do. Yeah, <laughs> you're missing the boat here, chief. I no, <laughs> that's not a good idea. <laughs> Isn't that just oh, insane? It's so good. I mean, it's not good at all. It's terrible, 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 terrible. But Jesus, I mean, Christ, you genuinely. Like, you, I mean. That's genuinely how to battle racism. Let's get some art produced. What should be on it? Here are the top five worst ideas. That's one of them. That's one of the worst ideas. And they went, oh yeah, we love it. That's that's a, that's great. I mean, Jesus, at least it wasn't um, like minstrels or something. I was going to say, I mean, the, the next guy they're going to get is going to be some fucking Al Jolson historian or something. Wasn't and there? then Serial's going to throw their hands up in the air and go, what? what? We, just can't, God, we can't do anything right, can we? We just can't do anything right. Wasn't, damned if we do, damned if we don't. Wasn't there a thing about blackface being used in a similar way? How do you mean? I heard, I heard about it, and I think it was either either Italy or in Brazil. 
it might not be Brazil. I feel very bad if it's not Brazil, and I've just plucked them out of thin air. But like a team, were getting a black player, and to try and or there been a lot of racism or whatever at their at their know. ground. So the rest of the team blacked up to show solidarity. What's <laughs> wrong with people? Like, What's wrong with people? It's just so stupid. Like fuck. Like me. Obviously, that's different to like the whole Colorado Eagles thing with Akima Lou. Because it was sort of done with good intentions. Uh, that's, that's just stupid and short-sighted rather than malicious. But it's still just ridiculous. And 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 in some ways, I think the Syria our thing is short-sighted rather than malicious. Because if it's malicious... Yes, got, I, I believe like, the Syria thing is just rampant stupidity yeah, rather it, than rampant it, maliciousness. If yeah. it's not, then it's just like brazen malice. We'll show them we haven't got a problem with racism by doing pictures of apes. That'll that'll learn them. That'll learn no, them. It's just we it's just we like this artist. Let's highlight the issue by doing this. I mean, yeah, it's fucking it's dumb and stupid and fucking idiotic on a whole other level. But I agree. I don't think the Serie A thing was done with intent or maliciousness, but it's still fucking idiots. Like, like just absolutely weapon, weapons grade stupidity. Really, wasn't it? Yes, yes. It was the WMDs of stupidity. Jesus like, fucking Christ. <laughs> Because like the, the the advertising campaign is literally look these monkeys are football fans too like that's what it is <laughs> Christ which is so it's like some I don't know it's like something out of a TV show isn't it I don't know it's just you know I can't I, I don't, God I can't even yeah I'd, uh, fucking let's just move on because my brain's already getting frazzled yeah I'm buzzing for this time next week when we're talking about more racism in in Italian football oh yeah for sure. How many starters and scratches you got? Uh, I've got one starter and three scratches, a late entry to this scratch. Well, that's interesting because I've got three starters and one scratch. Ooh, oh, so I guess that's, that's, a bit of a, that's a bit of a mirror. Symmetry. Right? Yeah, symmetry. I'll drop two starters first then. So a big start this week goes to Tim Thomas, who was speaking at the USA Hockey Hall of Fame. We did talk about this the other week when he did a, he did a phone interview with somebody, but Seeing him in the flesh and hearing him talk was a, a pointed reminder that nothing's always as it seems. And he, he was the butt of a joke. He was the butt of the joke for a long time because he disappeared and he just vanished. And jokes about him vanishing and being this like Yeti type character and gone off into the woods. And I don't know, he kind of became hockey fans white whale. And when he was talking this week, he just said he, he had a severe concussion. And even watching hockey games was tough. He couldn't. He couldn't remember what he was doing that day. He couldn't decide what to even have for breakfast. And he just, he really struggled. But it was good to see him out and about and hopefully on the mend. Yeah. Yeah, politics aside, you don't want to see see a man struggling, especially after after such a storied hockey career. Um, yeah, good to see he's alive and well and, and, and on the mend sort of thing. Uh, my second starter, the new GOAT, Mr. Mount Rushmore, Sidney Crosby, donated 87 sets of hockey gear this mm-hmm. week to... Various places. So he, uh, there's the Nova Scotia Black Youth Hockey Program, the Hockey Nova Scotia Indigenous Female Hockey Program, and the Nova Scotians New Canadians Hockey Program. Very simple on this, but it is just Sid doing Sid things, which is nice. And someone pointed out the whole the fact that he was donating to the New Canadians thing. It was like that's a big, that's a big thing. Like someone was saying, um, nobody thinks that Sid has opinions. This shows that he has opinions, and they seem to be yeah, the right sure. ones. <laughs> Good on you, Sid. He's the new goat. He's the new goat. He must be. He must be great. How could he not be? We've got to stop saying goat because I just saw some video, 
seen this video of Jimmy Fallon and Lin Manuel Miranda. My, um, I don't think it'll appear again this week. <laughs> good thing he's injured. My starter, Dan, is an incredible, incredible person who has uh, achieved something monumental. Dan, have you heard about the legend of Franz Tuohima? No, what's this? Franz Tuohima is a Finnish goalie. He's playing for HIFK in the Liga. Doing quite well this year. 22 okay. games. He's got a 905 save percentage. That's fine. That'll do. More importantly, Dan, in the past week, he has made his international debut for his country, Finland. Congratulations, Franz. If that wasn't enough. Do you know what he did in that uh, in that debut, Dan? Did he score? You're goddamn right he scored. Yay. Fucking go on, Franz. Goalie, Pick up, Franz. Goalie goal. Goalie goal in his international debut against Sweden, of all countries as well. So. Um, oh, wow. Even better. I know. What more could you ask for? Arch rivals. Scored a goal in your first game. Fucking absolute legend. My last starter this week is I'm going to start with a Twitter account called at plus put. Mm. Uh, and it's an account that an account that tweets out news and updates for deaf people using American Sign Language. This is one of those ideas that I can't believe no one's ever thought of. Maybe there's one out there already, but I've not seen it. But this came across my Twitter feed and I just thought it was absolutely genius. It's such a smart and simple idea. I know the tagline is hockey is for everyone, but I think a lot of the time we focus more on like people's colour or people's race and we sometimes forget that, oh yeah, there are disabled people who want to play hockey as well. They're also included in that umbrella. So there are deaf people out there, there are blind people out there who still enjoy hockey. It's it's just one guy, this account. So if you can, just at plus puck, give him a follow. Retweet his stuff because it's it's so clever and it's so smart and I think it's uh, I think he's doing a good job. It's it's one of the things where it's such a good idea that I checked his page and he's got so I was expecting to see, you know, fifty thousand followers or whatever, but no, he's I think he's yeah, only think just he's, started it up. Yeah, he's just started. Just started it. Let's get this guy going and let's get him out there because I think he's he's doing God's work. Yeah, it's he's, fantastic. He's stuff. doing some really important stuff. Two of your scratches then, Will. Oh, lovely. Uh, they're going to be Kings-focused for my first oh, nice. two. The first one's going to be their uh, their cat management abilities. <laughs> Dan, uh, the Kings have $11 million tied up in three players. Do you know who those three players are? The Elfenough. Yes. Marion Gabrick? Shit, somebody went... Did somebody go to the Sens on injured reserve or something like that from the Kings? No, that was, that was Gabrick. Was that Gabrick? But okay. yeah, they didn't retain um, any salary, to my knowledge. It's something ridiculous, isn't it? Like these, are like these, are like the fourth, fifth, and sixth highest-paid Kings players, or something. And I can't remember who it is. So you got Dion. No, go on. You'll have to tell me the two. Dion, tell me the Dion two. enough. Ilya Kovalchuk. Now, of course, fucking hell. Naturally, uh, and the third one is Mike Richards. <laughs> Still oh, of like course. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> Jesus fucking Christ. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ isn't that just beautiful but it's sh- short term pain for long term game well that's the message <laughs> yeah yeah definitely I'll, I'll check back in uh, in 2029 when we're uh, we're still yeah. having issues with the Kings being shit my second starter is going to come from that three I'm, uh, sorry scratch rather it's going to come from that three it's going to be it's going to be Hugo Kovalchuk saying now wants to sign with a contender he's had his fun at the beach you know, living in, in glitzy LA and now he wants to go somewhere and try and win a cup. Fucking get out of here with that shit, Ilya. You you knew what the score was. Like, the, the Kings weren't on the verge of winning a cup at the start of last year. Get to fuck. You've missed your opportunity. You missed the boat. Just quickly then, we were going to... We uh, Kovalchuk was on the run sheet as a, a quick sort of... Do you think 
he must have known, and he just thought, fuck it, I'll take the money for 18 months, and then they'll fuck me off and that'll be it. Because <sighs> he must have known there was no way they were contending. There was no way. Maybe maybe this was part of the plan. Like, get the big money from the kings, and then, because you, you would have known that Mo can... No real contender would either have the cap space for him or want to risk it on him. So yeah, if he if he does sign for like seven hundred grand with the Lightning or whatever or the Bruins, then fair play, maybe it's part of his master plan. But I would be surprised if anyone takes a risk on him. You're gonna scratch him, but I want to partially start him for getting his two point six five million snake until you make it bonus payment. You know, yeah. You can scratch the guy for maybe wanting too much, but sticking it out till he gets that Bowman's payment. Well played, Ilya. Well played, well played, friend. Yeah, scoring it, <laughs> scoring it just under a point per game place at, at close to a thousand games is definitely snaking it till you make it, isn't it? <laughs> no, I mean this contract. I mean this contract for sure. This is it's, it's definitely <laughs> been like right. I'm fat and happy. Do what I want now. <laughs> Would you? Right, you're a GM. Are you taking a punt on him for seven hundred grand? <sighs> yeah, I probably am. To be honest. Yeah, of course you are. Of course you are. I would for sure. Tell you, I am hoping the Bruins sign him. Get him on that fourth line, see what he does. They, get him producing or something. I don't know. 700 grand. You can't lose. There's no There's no risk. That's the thing. No risk. And worst case scenario, just wave him. Yeah, exactly. Like, whatever. Just have no loyalty to him whatsoever. If he performs, great. If not, get rid of him. Give him 30 games. If it don't work. Especially for, like you say, a team like... Like the Bruins at the moment, are like they're kind of coast. I guess I think that's why they're losing a few games. But they're kind of coasting. Get a, get a new player in, give a bit of a jolt, get him on the second line. You can afford to throw away the next sort of ten to fifteen game. You'll still be in the playoffs, and just have a little experiment. If it doesn't work out. Fine, fuck him off again. Who cares? Seven hundred grand. It's nothing. It's the sort of thing that if it works with Kovalchuk, he's going to be as good as anyone you get on the rental market anyway, and you get him for free. Yeah, exactly. For free. Yeah, it's free. My scratch is uh, I'm going to scratch injuries, and in particular, Tukatainen's injury, which was gruesome as fuck. Oh, jeez, I still haven't um, seen this. Niagara Ice Dogs playing London Knights. There's a, a D-man and a forward slide into the net and collide with him. Immediately, there's fucking blood everywhere, and it turns out a skate blade goes into his thigh area, and it goes so deep into Tainan's leg, it cuts him through to the bone. <sighs> now, here's the thing. Here's where, he's, uh, here's where he's a bit lucky, because... He, he didn't cut his femoral artery. Jesus Christ. Which, if any of you have seen the series Killing Eve or have a basic knowledge of medicine, oh. you would know that the femoral artery is incredibly, incredibly dangerous place to get hurt. Because if you cut that, you bleed out very quickly. Very, very quickly. So he was incredibly lucky in the end. Incredibly lucky. And his recovery is going well. Bizarrely, that sort of a, a tiny bit of good news out of this is that a ton more people have started donating blood in the local area. So a good thing's come out of it. But yeah, scratching injuries because that was nasty. You heard it first, people. Go and uh, injure your local goalie to uh, increase blood donation rates. Sim- there you go. Simple as that. Simple as that. There you go. Speaking of blood donation, Dan, uh, the Ottawa Senators. <laughs> there you go. I saw that coming a mile That's off. the joke. That's the joke. Dan. I want to start well, a change.org petition to uh, get Tyler Ennis into the witness protection program for sheer <laughs> embarrassment that he brought upon himself last night. <laughs> have you seen Go this? On. Have you seen this? I have indeed. Please, please describe it to those who may not have. So you may be familiar with the work of Tyler Ennis, <laughs> former 45-point player. Um, 
Ah, <laughs> oh, those are the days. Those are the days when he was absolutely. Well, he scored that crazy goal, didn't he? When he was like flying through the air and it was behind his back yeah, or something yeah. or whatever. So like, last night against the Predators, Ennis has the puck in uh, in Nashville zone. He's behind the net. He's a. Uh, he's. <laughs> <laughs> it's just playing in my head. He's teeing up for the Svechnikov. <laughs> And he just absolutely flops it. He <laughs> flops hard enough. I've never seen anyone flop in my life. So it's like oh, it's so good. So anyone familiar with the mechanics of the Sveshnikov, you have to like get your your stick blade sort of flat on top of the puck, and then push down on one side and turn your stick over at once to flip it over and lift it up on the blade. In a very smooth, swift motion. In a, in a very smooth, swish, swift motion, which Tyler yes. Ellis was lacking any of those ad- adjectives. Um, yeah. It basically ends up, he doesn't get the puck off the floor. It looks like he <laughs> does a really small toe drag <laughs> until Dante Fabro comes in and just slashes the stick virtually out of Ennis's hands in, in what I deem oh, to be a rather so unnecessary move because Ennis had already flopped. Like, it was over. It was finished. I think um I think Dorian needs to wave him for his own good. Yeah, you might be right. You might be right. Fucking him. He needs to disappear. He needs to disappear for a bit, like Chris and the Sopranos. Just just go into hiding for a bit, and then come back later when when the dust di- when the uh, when the drama's died down a bit. Just embarrassing. Oh dear. Fantastic, fantastic. Okay. All right then. So before we get to part two of our talk with Jason, we are on Spotify, iTunes, Google Podcasts, YouTube, and certain Judas Priest songs if you play them backwards. And hey, you there? Yes, you. Why not give us a free Christmas present and throw a cheeky review on iTunes and a five star rating so I and Will could call you a ledge. Second part of a new with Jason Paul from Wave Intel. This week we discuss being a Habs fan and working for a Bruins-led website why certain teams book analytics and discuss Jason's new player versus model and some other things we thought you could put on a versus model. Here he is, Jason Paul. The other thing I, I learned on when I read this book as well was uh, something called the, the skill paradox, which I, I've written about before and I'm going to write about it again, I think, very soon. Basically, the theory there is that the, the gap between the best players and the bottom players is getting narrower and narrower. Right. So 20 years ago, I don't know if you're watching, you were, you, I, I was listening to the podcast about Marilyn Mew. You guys had a couple weeks ago. Don't open that can of worms again, Jason. Jeez Louise. <laughs> you guys got to stand by my takes. That podcast. No, I'm joking. The, uh, <laughs> Marilyn Mew was one of my favorite players of all time because he was just this unicorn kind of amazing. He was not in shape. The guy had cancer at one point. He, he could not even tie up his skates, but yet he could produce at in a crazy level, right? Anyway, back in the 80s or the 90s, to illustrate the the skill gap point, the gap was much much larger back then. So matchups were very very important, right? So a coach could you could play the whole game, and you know it's one one, it's two one, it's three three, and you're you're not really coaching very hard, but all of a sudden it's four three for the other team. And you're the Pittsburgh Penguins. That's all you need to do is make sure Lemieux gets on against the fourth line, and he's going to score, because the gap, the the top players were so much better than the bottom players back then. Now that gap is so tight that the game is actually becoming even more random, because skill could overcome in the past. Skill could overcome obstacles, right? Bad penalties or whatever, because you the skill could overcome that. Now 
it's not guaranteed because the because the gap is so much tighter now. So stuff like uh, in, you know season long in in a season, if somebody is having a divorce uh, and they're you know they're just not feeling right, they're not going to have a good year, or they you know someone's got the flu that day, they're not going to have a good game. It's kind of those factors are becoming bigger factors in the wins and losses than the skill is now. Yeah, it's, it's arguably more a game of mental fortitude nowadays than it was back in the heyday of, of true toughness and truculence and stuff like that. Yeah, totally agree. Which was kind of my point, Reed Crosby, was that if he'd have played, if he'd have played 30 <laughs> years ago, well, no, if he'd have played 30 years ago, he, he would have been like Mario. He would have just run everybody over, scored a billion goals, and it would have been that would have been it. But the, the there's so much data now. There's so many game plans. There's so much everything, and he still produces like he does. It's yeah. I that's you know that was the kind of the idea of it was that it's insane, and we don't you know I just don't think we appreciate him as much as we should. But then by that same token, we don't appreciate Ross Johnson as much as we should. <laughs> <laughs> you, you you know what I mean? Like it's yeah, if everyone's better than. Everyone was. We should chuck out ninety-five percent of the Hall of Fame and replace him with today's players. By that token, let's yeah. honey. Let's not argue in front of a guest, okay? I know we save this for Blue on Wednesday night. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, uh, Jason, then, so did you have a background in in data or maths or anything? Like, what did you what did you study at university or college? How did you end up kind of here? Yeah, it's a bit of a weird path. I, I um, studied uh, at university, studied economics and statistics. Uh, and then oh, who could have seen you getting into advanced stats after <laughs> studying <laughs> statistics at college? <laughs> but the funny thing is, I, I never used it in my uh, with my employer, my regular employer, who I won't mention right now. Well, especially after admitting to taking stickies just so you can sit on the bog all day working on your tools. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I'm in the toilet at the uh, at the office. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, I mean, I have a bit, I have a background, but I, I wouldn't say it's a super strong background. Like, you know, like these guys like Mika McCurdy and all these other academic style people, I have enough to kind of, you know, get by and, and, and fake it basically. Fake so, it, you make it. Massive, proponents of, massive like, proponents of this on the show. Yeah. I mean, I was a C student, you know, and, uh, it's just the way it rolls. And I, I, I can get into the theory about C students, but uh, in video games, we used to collect stats. No way. Yeah. So, That's and I never thought about it until now because people are asking me this kind of stuff, like, well, how'd you get into it and all that kind of stuff? And I look back at my childhood and I'm like, that that is kind of weird. Nobody came up to me. No parents came up to me and said, you guys are playing video games. And then when you're done, you're collecting all the stats and averaging out the goals against. And, stuff. and that's what we did. And I was kind of I was the driver with that. My friends just kind of went along with it. And uh, so I guess I really had this enjoyment of uh, data and statistics right from an early start. So you were basically commissioner of your NHL 94 league or whatever as kids. Exactly. Then I, yeah, I cooked all the data too as well. So I won't know. Well, so if, if you're the one keeping the data, you should be allowed to cook the book, shouldn't you? That's right. That's right. That's crazy. Have you, like, do, does that, did that hold up? Was that very good at being predictive? Because I'd imagine that's even smaller sample size than we're looking on on an NHL season. <laughs> yeah. No, we had reams and reams of data on paper, right? Like this, this is before Excel and that kind of stuff. I'm old. And we did it all on paper. That's crazy. We, we used to play uh, like uh, we, call, <clears throat> we called it Bach baseball, uh, like with a wiffle ball, which is basically 
you could play as, as uh, with a minimum of two people, but we normally had three or four guys, and we would play in my buddy's backyard. So it's pitching and hitting in baseball, basically, against a wall. And we would, uh, like, you know, we would do the pitches and do the count, and after you made your hit, whether it was a single or home run, we would stop the game and take down the the stats. <laughs> That's amazing. That's so good. Look at Billy Bean over here. His parents like didn't poke their head out and said, "You guys are idiots." <laughs> Shouldn't you guys be out drinking? What's going on? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm all right, Jason, to be imagining you in like a pair of, of broken glasses with tape around the middle as well, and you you sort of ankle swingers and a pair of braces while you're playing baseball. Yeah, never getting any hits, but uh, somehow my stats were the best. <laughs> yeah there's been an investigation in the Bok League uh, this guy Jason Paul seems to be hitting a thousand we're not sure how <laughs> oh my that's god amazing. that is amazing I want to ask you guys how did you get into this kind of work then like uh, you know it's kind of like radio style work right to cut a very very long story short I used to send in questions to the original Puck Soup that always got asked by Wyshynski or Lozo and from that, Will followed me on Twitter. And then through another, again, I guess kind of like your cancer story, through my own kind of um, like personal family sort of tragedy, I had an epiphany of I want to just do things I like doing. I don't want to be, why am I not doing things I enjoy? And I just wanted to talk about hockey. I didn't really hear any British voices talking about hockey. So I just had the idea to do it. And I just messaged Will one day and said, do you want to do a podcast with me? And he said, yeah. And then we spoke that's once awesome. on Skype, and the next week we did our first show, and that was it. Shit, that's awesome, man. And the, we met the, for the first the time like a that. month ago. And we've done like nearly 100 shows, yeah. and we met for the first time a month ago at Will's wedding. No way, that's amazing. Congrats, Will. Married. Thank you very much, mate. Thank you very much, Jason. Yeah, it's um, not changed life at all. It's, uh... <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, that's great. No, that's so, that's, I love the story, man. Well, same as you. It's we're, just, we're two, just two blokes who have an affinity for chatting shit that came together hockey, through, yeah. uh, through the world's greatest sport, yeah. That's yeah, and great. the same with you is, I guess, kind of faking it so you make it, but, I mean... I'm a, I'm like I'm a I'm a Steve Dangle fan. I think you know I, I he is he is very knowledgeable and you know he does know his stuff and but he tweeted out a picture of his first ever show and it was in a professional studio and I was like that was your first ever show. Me and Will we still record in our spare bedroom in our living room. You know we'll sometimes have like I'll sometimes put a blanket over like to try and mask the noise. I do tons of work in Audacity that I've had to just self learn. Like why does it sound terrible? Like some of our early shows just had this awful fuzzing on. I didn't know about how to take out background noise, all that kind of thing. And the same year, same as you, I've just found shortcuts. I've found ways to try and make it sound better and be better. And you know, I mean, thank God Will's here because he, like so, like I would say, he's the brains of the outfit. That's great. <laughs> I, I love that story, man. I mean, it's like it's like you guys have heard of the uh, the lean business model. Yep. You know, it's like just do it. Yeah. Make make mistakes, correct them. You know, it's better to just start doing it rather than like plan and think, you know, put stuff on paper for six months or a year, just keep doing it. It's great. And if you, I, I totally believe that if you just, if you love it and you keep going, you're, you're going to, you know, six months, two years, three years is going to pass. And you look around and you're like, wow, shit, I've been doing it for a while. And other people have kind of fallen off and then you're kind of near the top of the mountain kind of thing. Definitely. I think that that goes more now, you know, more today than ever before. So I think like you just have to get out there and, and do it. You know, the old phrase of 
oh, the best time was to start to start was yesterday or five years ago, whatever the second best is now. Like, like you say, just get out there, do it. And we have so many tools and platforms to do this sort of thing in, in a very DIY sense that, yeah, if you want to do it, do it. You're not going to get anywhere by, by thinking about it, like you say, Jason. You got to do it, but then you have to keep your wife happy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> wife being happy first Never. and then doing whatever you want second. <laughs> Never do a podcast in the red zone. With interviews and things like that, it's, re- it's real oh, tricky. Geez, Louise, with time zones and all that kind of there. thing. Because obviously we have to record, we record one night and both of our wives work funny schedules as well. So my wife's the manager of a, 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 like a large department, not a department store, like, a, like an outdoor kind of clothing store, I guess you would call it. But... It's, you know, it's, it's absolutely humongous. So she's always under pressure. So she will two nights a week work till like nine o'clock at night. And Will's wife does the same. She will, I think she works, three, is it three or four nights a week, Will, where she works late or uh, overnight? Yeah, it depends. It like varies each week. But yeah, the average of three nights a week, she'll do an evening shift. So not only does our schedule have to match up, now we have to try and match up with people in another country in another time zone. It's like, yeah. it's absolutely insane. Yeah, but when it works, it's glorious. Yeah, and it's it's been okay so far, and we've been really lucky. I, I again, I've got God knows why people want to talk to us and say yes to these interviews. I have no idea. It's I find it bizarre that every single person we've asked so far has come back and said, "Oh yeah, that sounds like fun." I'm thinking, why? We, why are you saying we've yes? We've had no returnees though, so. <laughs> oh, that's true. That's true. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's it's like you know Will says, right? It's the the environment for all this underground stuff to succeed is there now like in you know 20 30 years ago it's just all these big companies that could do it you know radio shows or uh data tools now we can all do it and there's this really wicked underground people that exist right and the audience yeah, it's punk rock well. it's great yourself yeah. i know i i've kind of i don't think i've ranted about this on a show before but you know, like all the big companies now are putting out podcasts and i know ray ferraro and darren drager do one but I'm just like, who, who, why, why would you listen to that? I'd like nothing against those guys. You know, I mean, they've obviously been told to do it by the, you know, by the, the company that pays them. But I just think like, well, you just have another coach on or another player on talking about the same old things. Like who, who cares? I want to get people, like I wanted to get people on who were on like, like you and Micah and Meredith Foster, like people who were kind of almost on the periphery, but yeah. you know what I mean? Like I just, that, that stuff's already out there for a billion people. You just watch Hockey Night in Canada if you want to hear a coach talk or a player talk. You know, you, you don't need another podcast doing that. So that was kind of why I wanted to get, you know, like people like you on as well. Awesome. That's great. All right. Here's something I've got to ask you. A burning question. So you're a Habs fan. Yes. And you're providing oh, data for Boston Hockey Now, right? Yeah. <laughs> yes. Here's my question, Jason. What are you playing out here? What's the long game? What, what's going on? <laughs> Some kind of infiltration here, a scam, scamola. What's what's the story? Because as a Bruins fan, I need to know what's happening. Yeah, well, I'm trying to uh, devalue some of the Bruins players. Of <laughs> as you should. I don't blame you, by the way. <laughs> so I'm, you know, I'm trying to uh, you know trying to make it a little bit more of an even playing field for the Canadian and the American teams. There, it's a little <laughs> bit lopsided, right? It is a bit ridiculous. <laughs> How did that yeah. come about? How did that come about then? Uh, well, I mean, I made these tools, right? Or I made this, the versus was the big tool and I had plans. I got, I got something, I'm going to kick it out to you guys actually pretty soon. Uh, a player version of versus 
which Ooh, is yeah oh, man it's awesome it's gonna be it's i love i i, I kind of already have the shell built and i got the data all in there and i've been like i find myself just playing with it for like a half hour half hour passes and i'm like i'm just you know uh comparing players and stuff it's great so anyway i've got these tools and uh yeah i don't really know my wife keeps asking me so what's your end game and i'm like you know i just taking it slow and you know, trying to learn things and develop things. But I, I kind of, this year, I wanted to write and do some more analysis uh, so that I can use my tools and also get, you know, a little bit more credibility, right? So uh, Jimmy um, Jimmy Murphy from from uh, Boston, Boston Hockey Now, and he does a bunch of uh, other media stuff. He contacted me and asked me if I wanted to do some uh, an analytics work for, for him. And I was like, yeah, sure, let's do it. So he's super easygoing. Uh, editor and manager so it's it's a really good match made in heaven i'll write st stuff and send it to him he's like yeah it sounds great even though i'm hammering i'm like i've got all these negative <laughs> negative <laughs> negative articles about the bruins oh they need to do this they need to do that it's kind of funny but he, yeah he loves it so so that's how that came about and then uh literally after two or two or three articles that i did for them i got contacted by uh the hockey writers and they asked me if I wanted to do stuff for the for the Habs, uh, writing about the Habs, and I was like, "Wow, shit!" I'm like, "Fuck!" I like I don't want to be doing all this. like going back to your point. Like, when do you find time to do this stuff? But I'm like, it's got to be easy to write about the Habs since I'm a huge Habs fan. I can just do that in my sleep, right? Uh, so I said, "Sure, I'll I'll do it." And uh, what I found out about those guys is they they're super, which is great. They're a big writing community, and but their editors are super serious, and which is good as well. But I find I. I send articles in and then they send it back and you need to change that. I don't like that tone. And <laughs> I was like, oh shit. Oh, so man. I ended up spending a lot of time on these ones. Anyway, make a long story short, I, my game here is I, I kind of just want to use my tools and uh, do a little bit of more analytical work so that I have, uh, I have a bit more meat when I'm tweeting and stuff. I would imagine having the relatively hard editors, uh, the hockey writers is, is a good way to cut your teeth with the writing and stuff just to, to sort of hone your skills a bit more and and get a bit more critical uh, analysis of your of your own analysis. Exactly. Is it apostrophe s or s apostrophe? Like it just kills me. <sighs> you don't need that sort of nonsense. Like just oh. you. You're a numbers guy. You don't need that. <laughs> and I got a question for you guys. That why is it the English language? Or like we stole it from you guys, right? So we will say the club. We will say you know the hockey club is struggling right now and oh you guys, like you guys sorry, got me. club are struggling yeah i've never i've i've never got that one and i think about that all the time so like we british english sort of uh personifies sports teams as as things there's not like a collection yeah it's like a collection which and 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 the the is in the art like the is makes it sound so singular and it's like, I can't explain it, but it just sounds so inherently wrong whenever I hear a, a, a group of things be referred to as is. Like, I, yeah. I'm no, yeah, no English major myself, but I'd, it, I don't know. It's the short answer, Jason. But you've got to stop doing it. <laughs> yeah, I think you guys need to stop doing it. No, no. I, no, can, no, I, can, no. I, can, I can provide an answer for this, is that the English oh, language God, is yeah. a goddamn mess. Is what it is. <laughs> everyone lives in England, thinks it's great because everyone speaks English all over the world. But it's not until you start looking at other languages you just realise how disastrous and how impossible English. The fact that anybody can learn English 
if they're from another country is a miracle because it's <laughs> such a mess and it's so ridiculous. It's like, what's, what's a tree made of? Wood. Okay, so that's W-O-O. So how do you spell could? Well, C-O-O-D. No, no, that's C-O-U-L-D. Is it? Oh, okay then. What shoulder then? Shouldn't that be shudder? Like, it's it, just ridiculous. <laughs> it makes no sense. So, yeah, don't worry about it. Just, uh, I don't know if you speak yeah. French or not, Jason, but you, just stick to French if you can. It's, it's just yeah. easier. <laughs> did, you, did you get any grief from any of your uh, from any of your Habs friends for working with uh, with Boston? Um, a little bit, yeah. Well, yeah, my family and friends a little bit. Uh, people on Twitter. Um, I think I got a lot of Habs followers, and I think they like that I'm kind of neutral, and I think they see that as me being neutral. Plus, they all know that I'm trying to to devalue <laughs> all the Bruins players. So. Take them down from the inside. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Has, um, has your fandom, with you now working on a, a tool that covers the entire league, because I've I found this, is that has your fandom of one particular team waned somewhat? Do you kind of look at the league more now as a whole and like you're looking at data and statistics all the time? Do you find that you're more looking at peripheral things about the team other than just, oh, they lost and I'm annoyed, or they won and I'm happy? Yeah, I do find I like... Um... You know, I'll set up some some games during the day, and I'll, I'll tweet a, a few things. And I I'm, I usually try to tweet something. I only try to tweet it if it's semi interesting, right? And uh, and then I become interested in that, right? So like the like the Islanders, this is the second year in a row where their underlying data, their underlying five on five attempts and suppression of the attempts is terrible, and they get described as an awesome defensive team. Like if you listen to any of the uh, podcasts, like the the mainstream podcasts or the or the TV shows, and then my the data, it's not my data, but my tool using uh, natural stat trick data, saying, well, they're not really good at suppressing the shots and and the good scoring chances. So then it piques my interest. I want to watch them to see like what the heck is it that that um, that they're doing, right? Because Again, the data lies, right? Like the data saying, yeah, they, they're they're letting off all kinds of scoring chances, but okay, maybe maybe they're purposely allowing scoring chances in a certain area of the ice. You know what I mean? Which makes them a little bit evil, right? When <laughs> makes them a little bit rope a dope, yeah. right? Uh, so I kind of track them a bit, and yeah, I just it's interesting. I also like to see. I added the power play, uh, like versus used to not have the power play percentage on the top. Uh, and so I added that this year, and one of the main reasons was is because I want people to be able to see the the classic data, the power play percentage. But then I want I want them to be able to go look down at the underlying data and say, wow, that doesn't really match, right? Um, which is often the case. So it's kind of like you're able to learn learn the data as well and ask yourself the questions. Yeah, to have it have it all contained there, so you can either augment. And explain, okay, this is why you know they're so potent on the power play, or, or like you say, to challenge it and and really cause a bit of critical thinking in fans and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Well, on, on the Islanders, what what do you think it is, Jason? Because I really struggle. Like, I, there's nothing that I love more than hating a team that you know in your heart of hearts isn't as good as they are, and just waiting for them to crash back down. But like, geez, always we're, we're eighteen months into this Islanders experiment, and they're still going. What, what do you reckon it is? Uh, well, I think the data probably doesn't lie too too much in the sense yeah. that it it shows that their their PDO with their uh, 
the luck meter, which is basically their shooting percentage and their save percentage is super high, right? Yeah, yeah, so yeah. It's masking, it's masking all the other stuff. But I wouldn't say that that's 100% the reason why, right? Like, obviously, the, the shooting percentage is because they got skill, right? That's usually not a hundred, not all the time, but, like, when you see the really good teams, they all have high shooting percentage. So that doesn't necessarily come down. That might not necessarily come down to, an, like, at the average, which a lot of people expect. I don't think it's sustainable either. Like, if you had to bet on them going into the playoffs, you probably wouldn't, right? No, I equally think that you'd probably be made a fool of if you didn't bet on them making the playoffs. When I first got into it, a couple of years ago, I guess, uh, I was always into it, but when I really studied it, I found myself kind of on the one side of the analytics, like really trusting it and really liking it. And now I feel like I've swung back to the other side. Uh, I just think these teams, they want to get to the playoffs, like they say, and just hope that all the stars are aligning, right? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, and, and it's, it's funny you say that because when, when we were speaking Micah, he was saying a similar sort of thing. Like the more he works with the data, like the more you understand you can't actually trust it all completely. Like you have a higher knowledge of its of its faults as much as its its uh, perks. Yeah, exactly. I was going to, yeah. when you mentioned before about the uh, the player versus, I was going to, and for this idea, I'm only, I'll only want 10% of any future earnings, if that's okay. I'm just going to, you know, verbal <laughs> contracts and all that kind of thing. I was going to say, would you consider running like a prospects versus or something I thought even better, a GM versus in some way? <laughs> yeah, I, I actually did think about it. Um, uh, last year, I did do a coaches versus, which was popular for teams that, fired their coach right so they're comparing just that, that coach versus the other coach uh prospect one whew, that'd be hard right because all of the uh different leagues that they're in and to yeah, be able to true. kind of the whole key of versus uh in presenting the data this way is to try to you have to have the number that you can uh have put a percentile against right to, to allow the bar to show you if they're good or not yeah so yeah. that but I know there's a lot of work out there. People doing a lot of good work about, uh, I forget his name now, uh, Brader, something Brader. He's doing a lot of work on uh, on trying to uh, make a common, uh, what is it? It's kind of like adjustments for each. Is, is he the guy who's throwing out the stuff with like star probability, ADD plus one and stuff like that? Yeah. Yeah. I yeah, think yeah, it, yeah. NHL E or something like that, it's, he calls it. Yeah, that sounds about right. Those, those are really interesting, especially when you can look back on like like Mark Stone and, and Johnny Gaudreau and, and players that are a bit more fringe that have turned into these massive stars, and yeah, just see the sort of evolution of a of a prospect into into where they've become now. Yeah, exactly. Cool. So there's tons of cool stuff out there, right? Yeah, definitely. And uh, as has been the theme of this entire conversation, like people out there doing it, which means you get more more interesting tools and graphics and data and anecdotes or whatever or more interesting people talking about that sort of thing and it's a it's a wonderful time to be alive it is great i mean we got i'm working with uh one of my data science science buddies and we're working on a metric to uh to analyze or, or to put a value on basically how a defenseman is like it's like almost like a quarterback rating right for defensemen so Ooh, that's good. yeah so we're really and we, we're kind of doing this work for uh it's potentially going to go to some nhl teams as part of this uh it's like it's like a bit of a contest kind of thing 
Oh, jeez. Yeah, and we're we were sitting here the other night. We're like, we're we're so excited about how we've come up with this concept, and we're like, wait a minute, if we just go give it to these guys, they're just gonna steal it, right? <laughs> it's like, yes, you, you kind of sign our our lives away when you say that you're gonna present it to these people, right? And uh, and you know, my wife is here too, and we were talking about it. They're like, well, what's your alternative, right? Like, our alternative is to throw it out there on Twitter, on the internet, and people are gonna be like, yeah, whatever. It might get semi-popular, but you're not. You kind of need backing for things to get out there as well, right? At a at a high high level, right? A major level. I mean, yeah, you've you've got to take risk, like exactly. I think it's simply like a film pitch. Say you you were into screenwriting and stuff, and you had a film pitch for for Warner Bros. or, or Lionsgate or whoever, and you've got a meeting, but you're not going to go to that meeting just in case they lie to your face and say they don't like it, and then make the film next year, sort of thing. Yeah, exactly. I'm rich, Jason. Come on. Yeah, yeah. No, I know. Yeah, and that's what we said. We're like, we still got to do it. Like, it's you know. So yeah, so hopefully that works out. We'll let you guys know how it goes. And then oh, definitely do, man. Good luck with that. Fantastic. All right, one last question from me. Um, maybe I'll put you on the spot a little bit, but if you could put life data of some kind into a versus sheet, what would you like to see? If it was you versus your best friend or you versus your wife, like what sort of, what would you put on that versus sheet for life? Yeah. Oh, that's a good question, man. I don't know. Um, mine's definitely, ex- mine's definitely expected time on the toilet, like man versus man. <laughs> because my bar is going to be filled and hers will be about like 4%. <laughs> <laughs> oh i love it i love it yeah like diaper time right like we're out of diapers now but you know i always wondered like hey is this the sixth time in a row that i did the diaper <laughs> oh you, yes. you mean you don't oh, keep a job for that anyway hey you know it's just oh, oh i smell poop and oh i gotta go do some laundry downstairs or something you know it's like oh convenient you, see, you, yeah, ju- you just keep really your mouth shut when you smell it <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> Oh, Imagine yeah, being like, I'm, I'm, "Can you go and do the dishes?" I did the dishes last night. No, you didn't, because look on this versus sheet it says, "Like I'm doing there the dishes." There you go. More yeah. than you. <laughs> or, or it'd be like, "Oh, even if you did do them last night, I've got a over the last X number of Wednesdays on a, a in the calendar year, you have done seventy five percent, whatever it might be." It's, oh, I'd, I'd like to see like procrastinating time, like <laughs> wasted moments. Like, how much of your day do you actually use effectively? Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah. Or like, my kids are in the whining phase, crying and whining. Yeah. So like, you could have like whining, crying. How many yeah. times you say "mummy, mummy, mummy, daddy, daddy, daddy"? Like, oh man, shit, that would be some good data. You could have uh, a way versus sheet for all your kids, Jason. Shit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> there we go. Anything else from you, Will? Uh, no, no, I'm, I'm, I'm full of wisdom from uh, from Mr. Jason as it is. Fantastic. Okay, Jason, anything you want to plug before you get out of here? Uh, yeah, just uh, my my website www.waveintel.org has all the tools live there. Uh, the versus team tool i'm gonna have the versus uh player tool up there probably by christmas that is super exciting uh and then you can catch me at uh at boston hockey now or not at boston hockey now but boston hockey now and the hockey writers covering the habs and the bruins that's it i thought we were gonna swear more on this 
Well, did you you weren't swearing enough, so I think we would temper it back a bit just to, to try not offend your your your, your ears there, Jason. That was good. Yeah, yeah shit. We'll a go, bit more we'll of a family friendly. Uh, hey, oh, I thought Sorry. I thought we were going to be able to not have an E on Apple Podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. Cheers, Jason. Thank All you very much. Thanks, guys. I hope I hope the interview makes the cut. Well, we'll we'll let you know in seven to ten working days. Okay. (laughs) Oddly enough, it was only a one-minute interview. (laughs) Thanks for your time, Jason. Real pleasure, man. Real pleasure. Again, cheers. Take care, man. Bye. Okay, many thanks to Jason, another new best friend of the show. Before we get to the news, it is brought to you by Wave Intel. If you like being smart, and I know I like pretend to, then head over to Wave Intel or check out Wave Intel on Twitter for easy-to-read team comparisons with the Versus model and the soon-to-be player versus model. If you want to show off with your friends at the bar and make them think you are the next Scotty Bowman, then check out Wave Intel, which is being smart so you don't have to be. Okie dokie. Let's get on to the news. Akeem Malou met with Tony Danzer of the Colorado Eagles this week, the equipment manager who was in blackface. They had a chat. Akeem Malou said it was a very tough conversation, but it needed to be had. He also said in... A fantastic thing that shows that Akeem is well aware of the position he's in at the moment. He said he didn't want Mr. Danzer to lose his job, but he wanted to just confront racism head on. Uh, he deserves a round of applause for that because he's a bigger man than me, Will, because I'm vindictive and I would have wanted to roll. Just so you could stomp on him. It's, yeah, good good on Akeem. Like, it, I hope he carries on. Like, obviously, he's got his own... He's still playing, isn't he? Yeah, obviously he's got his own his own commitments and his own career to, to worry about. Because, yeah, we're all talking about Akeem Alou as, as an ex-NHL player or whatever. He's only, I mean, 30. I hope that when he when he has time to dedicate to the cause full-time, I, I think he'd be a fantastic ambassador for, for this type of thing. Seems to be, he seems to be perfectly articulate and, and got the the bravery to, to actually get out there and have these conversations and stand up to, to not only individuals but the, the game as a whole. So, yeah, I think he's an in, an invaluable asset to to the hockey world at large. For sure, the the league needs to needs to make sure that he is on any kind of um, like you know multi inclusion group or any kind of sort of meeting around the league regarding this kind of thing. He just he needs he needs to be in there because he's now forefront and kind of like I don't want to say, I don't want to say the face of it because that that doesn't sound right. Like you're not you're not giving him this job because of his race, but. He's been through enough things now that he has experience. And like I said last week, you need as many different cultures and races included in these groups as possible. And I think with his kind of kind of presence at the moment, he, you know, he should be on there for sure, you know, as a, as a shoe-in, basically. I mean, in, in the interim, if you need someone to stand in as the face of this issue, I'm sure the Colorado Eagles have a few members of the staff who'd be willing to, uh, to do the job for, for a team in his place. Zing! There, there go. we go. That's a black face joke, boys and girls. You write that one down if you want to. You're zero week, folks. Don't forget to tip your waitress. Don't worry about that. <laughs> <laughs> Let's move on then to the biggest news of the week. Blake Spears' watch is over. He gets traded in a package with Taylor Hall to the Arizona Coyotes for Nick Berkeley, Nate Schnarr, Kevin Ball, a 2021st overall and a conditional 2021 third that could become about 15 other things. Kessler will risk this away, and now Dillon's got his hands full with Taylor Hall. Brendan Dillon caught off balance. Hall's got the puck to the side. Ekman Larson scores. Ekman Larson gives Arizona the lead. Hall here 
as he gets tangled up with Brennan Dillon and comes out with this puck, throws it to Oliver Ekman Larson. 25 games, he hasn't scored. Stick tangled up with Dillon, loses control. That's what allowed Taylor Hall to come up with this puck. All right, here's my first question. What do you think of this deal? And did one team win it more than the other? Uh, yes. To the second question. And okay. first, I, I, I don't like it for New Jersey at all. Even slightly. Really? Yeah, not at all. You're getting five pieces for one player? Yeah, fucking five pieces of what, though? Well, Nick Nick Merkley and nah. Nate Schnarr are meant to be their third and fourth best prospects. Well, that's a fucking shame, then. <laughs> who's, who's first? Who's what? The Coyotes or the Devils? The Coyotes. Mate. So the co- So obviously the Devils. Obviously the Devils wanted Barrett Hayton or Victor Soderstrom, and the Coyotes were never going to do that. So the Coyotes then said, "Well, okay, you're not having our first or second best prospects, but we'll give you our third and fourth best prospects." They're like, they're red chip prospects, not blue chip. They're like the next one down. Man, they're fucking black chip prospects. Like, Nick Merley, <laughs> Nick Merley's fucking 22 years old, and he still hasn't gotten out of the AHL yet. Like, nah. Well, maybe you need to change your scenery. You don't know. I, nah. I, like, Nick Merley and, um, who was the other guy? Nate Schnarr. Nate Schnarr, yeah. Mate, fucking throw-ins. Throw-ins. Their third line is at best. But what are you supposed to do if you're New Jersey? Like, you just hang on to him until he, he leaves for nothing. No, there's got to have been a better offer out there somewhere. If there was a better offer, don't you think they would have taken it? <laughs> that, that's the thing. So, yeah, like, rather rather this deal than nothing, because, like, a first is, is better than nothing, and um, Kevin Ball might be a second-pairing guy, maybe. He's definitely very tall. Very, very tall. Um, and that helps. I'd as soon have just taken extra picks. Like a second in twenty twenty one as well instead of the players. I get what you're saying, but it's it's basically it's basically you gave five pieces for one player who doesn't want to be there. <sighs> yeah, like yeah, but I still don't, and he's not gonna stay. I, he just he's not gonna stay. I just reckon there was you probably could have got a better single if you just gone picks and one prospect. You could have got on a better prospect from somebody else. Like I said last week, though, I just think, well, I just think other teams might have looked at it and thought, well, we're not going to give you our blue, we're just, we're just not going to give up our blue chip prospect. We're just not. So then, you know, you take you take the third and fourth best from a team and a first, and then another pick as well. Then, then just hold Taylor Hall against his will, make him play next season. <laughs> What's he going to do? Kid- then he'll leave for nothing. No, kidnap him. No, just keep him. Lock him. Lock him in the in the what's that? What's that arena called? The P. PNG, whatever. Just lock it. Just, just keep him in there. Tie him to Ray Shiro's desk. That's what you do. I'd rather. <laughs> I'd rather face the sort of the abduction charges than take fucking Nick fucking Merkley onto my AHL roster. I don't know. I I, I think it's. I think this is a good deal. I, I, I know you. Devils. I know what you mean. Like it's not. It's not terrible. It's not an awful deal. You know, all sort of um, facetiousness aside. But I don't think Nick Murley and Nate Schnarr are anything to be particularly excited about, nor is Kevin Ball. I'm not going to argue with that. I'm not going to argue with that. C- clearly, this was the best they were going to get. They took calls from other teams, and they did. So but the, the they just nothing else could be worked out with another team. The thing with that that I was thinking about earlier today is like, you know, when you think, oh, God, look at that package. My team could have done something similar or better, and we could have gotten them for them. 
it's a two-way street with the trade. Like, not only does the team who wants to trade for a player have to be willing to give up the players that that might have been better than, you know, Nate Schnarr and et cetera, et cetera. Maybe, you know, also Ray Shiro needs to be smart enough to evaluate the players. Like, he might be thinking he's getting proper top-quality Conor McDavid-level prospects. He might just be an idiot. Nah, there's no, there's no, there's no way he thinks he's getting that. Because... It, like no, the second I, get, I went right. online after the, the second I went online after the trade to look at like the general reaction, it was people saying, "Okay, so the Devils haven't got this, but they've at least got this." Okay. Nobody was like, "Oh my God, Nick Merkley, you're kidding!" No, no, nobody said that. Yeah, but my point is maybe maybe Ray Shiro thinks that. Like he could have been offered, <laughs> he could have been offered I don't know, like Evan Bouchard or something like that from the Oilers. Not that saying that he was, but like he could have been offered a, an infinitely better prospect. Might just be a bad GM and doesn't think that other prospect is better than this prospect, you know. I just think I just think getting five get, get, getting five pieces for yeah, one player. It's who's going to leave anyway. I just it's yeah, fine. It is fine. Take that. But yeah, if we if Kevin Barl ever plays more than twenty one minutes a night, you know, in a game, <laughs> I'll be surprised. <laughs> and apparently, you don't like the deal for the coaches either. <laughs> no, but I mean, you're giving up so many pieces for uh, for Taylor. <laughs> for, Oh, have you seen Kevin Ball? He's, he's he's six foot six. That's almost Who wins this trade. Well, that's almost two players. Nobody, nobody, wins, nobody wins it. <laughs> no, I would say, again with the Taylor Hall thing. That was that was just a joke. I think I think that's good for. I think it's fine for Arizona. I like it. At, at some point, at some point, Arizona have got to be all right. We're going to try and trade for a player who's not on LTIR, or we're doing a favor for the Blackhawks or something. At some point, you have got to trade for a player who's good. <laughs> And you think, okay, this guy can be somebody who can really help us. It, I get it; it's a rental right now. He's not committing to anything. Just get him in your team, get him playing. Maybe win a playoff round. He might like it there. You don't know. And then, and then you've got more of a chance of keeping him. Um, how long has Arizona been a nothing team? Like forever? That's that's the Seriously? thing. Like, if you're not going to trade for Taylor Hall, who are you going to trade for? Steve. You know, they've gone out and got the absolute best rental on the market. And I get it, it's, you know, it's cost them a lot, but if it pans out and you win one or two playoff rounds, then you're a genius. And, and like we said last year, like Columbus, you, you can't just be in the middle forever. Sometimes you've got to be like, all right, let's try and fucking win for once. Let's, let's just let's try see what we can do either do way. Something. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I, I do like it. Set, for... And he set up, the, set up the game winner in his first game. Oh, Another yeah, point did, last night, but... Works out well so far. And if he, if he clicks with... You know, like anyone, like he's playing with Christian Dvorak at the moment. If he gives them a bit more of a... Well, it just spreads out the offence a bit. There's an argument that he's already their best player. And I think that division at the moment, it's... It is a... I mean, Darcy Kemp... Did you know that Darcy Kemp has just gone down week to week with an injury? Has he? He got injured last night and the uh, the report came out today. Yeah, he's, he's week to week, which isn't good. But you look at that division at the moment, it is there for the taking. Well, they've already... Because, like, already taken it really haven't they they're what they're, I mean, yeah. they've got a game in hand on Vegas and they're jointing points at the top of 44 I mean I don't think other teams in their division right now are in any real position to do much of anything because the, the rentals that are out there are not exactly I mean the ones that are available there's no way the Caps are going to fucking let Holtby go there's no way the Bruins are going to let Krug go their teams that the, the, their teams that are like we're going to try and win the cup again and kick the can down the road and deal with that situation when we need to Kind of thing. That's the thing. It's, it's, See, like, it's a funny year where there's a lot of good players that are going to be technically available as rentals, 
like you know Alex Petrangelo, Justin Schultz, Tyson Barry, you know players like that, but none of them are going to go anywhere, are they? And the the rest of the teams in the Pacific, the Knights are capped to the fucking hilt. The Oilers, what would they trade for anything? Seriously, they've got nothing they could move. <laughs> trade Leon Draisaitl for one for one. Another D man, yeah. A D man one for one. The Flames would maybe be a team who could do something, but then I, I don't know. Like Jeff Ward's come in and doing a decent job. Maybe they want to just leave it and not trade anything away. Yeah. They seem to have figured it out a little bit. The Canucks have a ton of young prospects, but they seem hell-bent on using the draft and free agency rather than trading. And to the be Sharks, fair, like the Canucks well, are not in a space to be doing that sort of thing anyway. No. The Sharks, lol, not at all. Unless they want to offload that massive Kevin LeBanc contract, what are they going to move? <laughs> and then you got the Kings and the Ducks, who are just, you know, sticking at the bottom and like, well, at this point, why are we going to try, you know, why would we go for it and trade away some of our prospects for a guy who might help us finish 17th instead of 28th. So, do you know what I mean? Like, there's no one else really in that, in that, especially in that division who's in a position to do much of, of anything, so... No, I'd say the only threat really is Calgary, isn't it? And even then, they're, they're at the top. Like, Calgary have got allowed Edmonton and Vegas before they get to to Arizona, so... Yeah, in, in some ways, they're kind of kind of happy. Like, the Coyotes should make the playoffs now. If they don't make the playoffs now, it's they fucked it up. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Completely. If they're, <laughs> they're top of their division and they ask, and they add the best rental on the market, a former heart winner. If they don't make it now, I mean that's it. Just demolish a stadium, <laughs> it, everything. Like, it's, call it a day. Raise the city of Glendale. It's it's over. <laughs> Pretend there wasn't even a team anymore. Just it never happened. We all have to go through the Men in Black, like you know, memory wipe yeah, thing. Erase them from history. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Exactly. So, but it was a good trade. And there you go. You see how many times have we said. Trade trades in the NHL are impossible. Well, they're not impossible. You just have to have something willing to give something up and make it work. They're not impossible. You just have to make them. Last thing on this was I think we talked about Ryan O'Reilly last year and how at the time it seemed like yeah you know what four pieces for one player yeah I can see why it's happened I can see why the Sabres have done it and he's now playing in, and he ends up being the consmyther and it's it works out the absolute best trade in the world that the Blues could ever have hoped for. So, I mean, you've got to have that kind of thing in the back of your mind. Like, okay, this can work sometimes, and you can have a good player who takes you over that tipping point. And, and that's what worries me about it from the um, from the devil's point of view. Because you look at how, you know, what Buffalo have really come away with from that Ryan O'Reilly trade. Sure, they got a lot of bits, but that's what about bits? it, yeah. I can see what you're saying. If you're the devils as well, you can't risk... I mean, Christ. I mean, wouldn't it just be devils-like for this season if Taylor Hall's healthily scratched from games so he doesn't get injured and then falls down the stairs or something and like tears his ACL. <laughs> like, now he's not going anywhere and you're fucked. Like, you've got to pull the trigger and pull it quite quickly as soon as you get a ton of offers in. Okay, what I forgot, what I forgot, right, this one. Just just get it done because I'm just terrified just in case kind of thing. You know what I mean? Yeah, before before the offers start getting worse. Yeah, exactly. And the, yeah, the longer it goes, the worse the offers get. Well, he's not played now for like a month. You know, what do you think I'm going to give you? You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. At some point, you got you some point you just got to get him done and get, get him gone. Definitely. Uh, so after being told he doesn't know how to play, Anthony Duclair certainly does know how to play, as, it, as he became the first Ottawa Senator in history to score a hat-trick with an OT winner. And he did it against the team who traded him, and the coaches said he didn't know how to play. Oh, mm, mm, mm. well, I could have eaten it. It was so good. Um, I don't think he knows how to play. I don't. I... I... I just think he thinks he can go do whatever the hell he wants on the ice. 
You can't do it in the National Hockey League. I loved it so much. <laughs> you know, he's uh, he's matched his career high in goals already. Yeah, already. He's the he's the first sense player in over ten years to get to twenty goals at this point of the season. That's crazy, isn't it? And there's only six players in the league right now who have more goals than him, which is uh, Pasternak, Eichel, Drysaddle, McKinnon, Matthews, and Ovechkin. <laughs> uh, no, and Sebastian Aho as well. He has more goals. Twenty-one. Same goals. That's what I'm seeing. I'm seeing twenty-one. Shit. Damn it. You might be. Uh, you might be twelve hours out of date with your with your data, unfortunately. Yeah, I'll talk to the research team. I'll crack some heads. See what they're playing. At. Yeah, he's only he's only ninth in a, in AHL goal scoring Go for shame, it. which just shows how little he knows about the game of hockey. Really, <laughs> that's true. it's crazy. And he's still young. He's still twenty four. So like twenty four. He's twenty four. I don't, yeah, I don't necessarily think this is the breakout of Anthony Duclair becoming like an eighty point player or anything like that, but. Well, you him. never know. You never know. That's why hockey's fucking crazy. You never know. Do yeah, you? this this could be it. This could be it for him. But he's got like the lowest, like a minuscule number of uh, of assists compared to those around him. Who cares? Who cares about assists? It's all about goals, baby. Oh, it's just interesting, <laughs> though, isn't it? Like you you look down the um down the list, you see like yeah, Passat's got fifty points. Like Eichel's got fifty. McDavid's got fifty nine, and then Duclair's got like twenty goals and eight assists. <laughs> <laughs> Absolute Brandon Perry. Well, he's a pure shooter, dude. He's a pure shooter. Pure he's shooter. A, yeah, he's a he's a sniper of the highest order. It's good to see. It really is. And like you say, to to do it against Columbus, it's just oh, magnifique. Chef's kiss for sure. Congratulations. Long long may it continue. I hope he does have a have a breakout and become become elite. He was always a good uh, always a good pick up on the old NHL games. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So say say he carries on. He. Oh, how many how many goals has he got? Twenty. All right, so you get, right, so he gets to forty goals. RFA at the end of the year, currently making one point six five million. I uh, I'll, I'll have to double check on the stat with the stat team on this one. But the stats team told me that the ten players around him in goals in the league, the average salary for those ten players is eight point three million dollars. So if he gets just for example, if he gets to forty goals, what do you think he's getting next year? Let me uh, let me just do my maths really quickly. Oh, for God's sake, <laughs> I've got to work it out. Because yeah, I, I want to give you an accurate, um, you know, an accurate assessment of of how much I think he deserves based on based on his performance. All right, all right. He should get. Are we, are we assuming that he carries on with the same assist level as well. So it's forty point forty goals and sixteen assists. All right, yeah, let's go with that. Yeah, forty goals, sixteen assists. Uh, I'm going to give him one year and one point five million dollars. No way. Based on now, hear me out. So last year, go on. In eighty-two games, Kevin LeBanc scored seventeen goals and had thirty-nine assists for fifty-six points, which would be the same. <laughs> so we're giving Declare an extra five hundred grand because goals are very important. Oh dear. I think that's fair. It's more than fair. <laughs> I wonder if Kevin LeBanc knows how much he's fucked up the entire league by doing that, <laughs> what he did. <laughs> what an absolute, absolute um, scab. That's the word I'm looking for. Scab, he's a scab. Now, all jokes aside, I think you give him like one year, five mil, and just say, right, here's here's some money, Anthony. 
do it again, and then we'll talk. Or even one, yeah, one year. Was not what Carlson? Was not what Bill, uh, William Carlson? Yeah, got? Bill Carlson did that. Thing, didn't he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Give him the give him the Bill Carlson deal. Yeah. I think that's fair. Is that what is that what you give him or? I was thinking that. Yeah, I was thinking. Yeah, like one year, four million, something like yeah, that. Yeah, because you can't. Like, you, come, you can't give him. Again. You can't just give him like an eight eight year contract. <laughs> eight eight by nine. Yeah, <laughs> well, he's forty goal scorer now. Um, it's a fair point. Yeah, what did Line A get? Oh, oh, yeah. Uh, Wild Bill got one year, five point two five, and young Paddy Fortnite McGee is on. <laughs> Two years, six point seven five. See, you can't give him that much because he hasn't. No, that's cr- Line A's at least been consistent. Yeah, that's crazy though, isn't it? Like three time thirty goal scorer, one time forty goal scorer. That's like eh, a little show me contract. Absolutely crazy. Yeah, I'd I'd give him one one year five, one year six, just to be yeah. You know, as as a as you you want to reward the kid for banging in the goals, but yeah, you can't because I. I think you'd be happy as a Senators fan if he settles in as a forty-point player. Oh yeah, for sure. If he, if he settles sure. in as like maybe a twenty and twenty kind of player, then you'd be absolutely laughing. He um he was talking as well that he he sort of credited this kind of little mini resurgence to a, a couple of things. Is that one he doesn't feel so under pressure in Ottawa. He feels like if he makes a if he made a mistake in other places, he'd just get benched for the rest of the night. And he said that the coaches not have said they would trust him with more ice time as long as he puts the work in. And if you made a mistake, it didn't matter. Just go out next shift, rectify your mistake, play better the next time. Then the second thing he was, he said that he uh, he thought he was too slow on the ice. So we hired a, a former sprinter to help him with running, which <laughs> seems like, yeah, makes sense. I get it, it's bizarre, but it, like you would think like, yeah, that actually seems like a sensible thing to do. If you feel like you're slow and need to be faster, find somebody whose job is to be fast and just get them get them to teach you how to be fast. Yeah, I mean, it makes sense. Like, similar sort of mechanics, I suppose. But I don't know, traditionally you hire, like, a skating coach to help you skate, not a running coach. But, I mean, proves well, it. But then I assume they've already got those, haven't they? Every club has a skating coach now. You don't need that. Like, you know, yeah. you need that little secret extra something, maybe. Secret source. Secret source, exactly. Secret source. But it's good. Anthony Duclair, yeah. He he knows how to play hockey, Will. <laughs> Debatable. I've I've got it on good authority that he doesn't. So we'll uh we'll wait and see. Yeah, I've got it on good authority from an NHL head coach. He's not very good at hockey. Yes, is it? And who else can you trust apart from NHL head coaches on uh, the subject of NHL hockey? Last thing is a, a little kind of um a little discussion, a little a little wondering I had with the the jobs that and I, th- I thought about these three coaches because of injuries to key players and um uh, off season kind of worries and, and things like that so with the job that Paul Maurice Mike Sullivan and Jared Bednar have done this season does it show how good coaches they are or does it just show how much parity there is in the league or does it show how well their GMs have done well like in the case of I don't know if I'd lump Bednar in with actually no he's had quite a few injuries hasn't he they had loads of injuries, yeah. I I put this... God, I mean, Dmitry Filipovic put out a tweet about three weeks ago, and you should have seen the list of injuries the Avs have had this year so far. It is ridiculous. You wouldn't believe it until you saw it. It's crazy. It's there in, like, an entire team of injuries. Yeah, I think... Is it an argument, or is it part of the, the old um, weakling, strong link debate? 
you know, is is the NHL a weak link sport or a strong link sport? Yeah. Because you know, like the the Avalanche, for example, they've had injuries, but they've always had mm. Nate McKinnon, and for the majority of the time, they've had Carey uh, McCarr. And even when McCarr's been down, they've had Rentland back, haven't they? So, and then again with um, with the Penguins, like they've they've always had Morgan when they've not had Sid, correct? From, yeah. yeah, or they've had Sid when they've not had Malkin. Say again, sorry? Or they've had Sid when they've not had Malkin. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And then, um, yeah, the only uh, exception to that rule is, is Paul Maurice, who, uh, I mean... He's had Josh Morrissey for most of it. <laughs> yeah, the, the Jets just don't make any sense whatsoever. Whatsoever. I like Because it, it's not even it's the... strictly an injury thing with the Jets. Like They just have not assembled an NHL-quality decor, and yet it doesn't seem to be a problem. I was thinking, I was when I first thought about this, I was purely thinking about injuries, yeah. and I just thought, hang on a minute, I've got to include the Jets in this, because... <laughs> <laughs> they might as well have... A series of uh, of injuries, anyway. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And they have had, you know, they've got. I mean, they've got five players on injured reserve, which I'm not saying it's their best players, but I mean their defense. Their defensive core is Josh Morrissey, Neil Pionk, Nathan Bulow, Carl Dahlstrom, Tucker Pullman, Lucas Spieser, and Anthony Potato. Like, <laughs> I mean, that's insane. Yeah, it's not really. Uh... It's not really on, is it? And considering what they had last season. Yeah, I mean, not that we're um, saying Tyler Myers is, you know, the second coming of Kyle McCarr or anything like that, but um, they've definitely downgraded, shall we say, Dan. And I I just don't know what to say about it because it just doesn't make any sense whatsoever, does it? They it should, doesn't make any they sense. should be it much make worse any than sense. I think. I think... I'd lean towards the parity argument because if there wasn't parity in the league, then these teams would be getting exposed. Inst- like an insane amount would be getting. Take, you know, take the NBA for example. You got the Golden State Warriors. They've lost a couple of game, lost a couple of players, and then they've lost the rest of their players to injury. Oh, but granted, yeah. you know that's a greater proportion of your roster that you're losing to injury. But it's affected them so badly that they've gone from being an absolute juggernaut to being, as far as I'm aware, bottom of the league. So I think I think it is a parity thing, for better or for worse. What, what do you think it is? I, yeah, I was going to say though on the other on the other side though on the other side though you look at a team like Nashville, who have got all the players, but we're like Nashville, or Min- or Minnesota even. Nashville are way lower than everyone thought they would be. But Minnesota are way higher than everyone thought they would be. I mean, that has to be. It can't just be parity in the league, right? It has to be the way that the rosters are formed. Or I know we've talked. I know we talked about this with Jason Paul either this week or last week. But the gap between the best and the worst is, aside from teams who are actively tanking, like the Red Wings, is actually quite is actually way smaller than it's ever been. Yeah, like Neil so does a, is basically does a coach... as good as Conor McDavid. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. And that's why Conor McDavid's nowhere near Sidney Crosby or Mario Lemieux. But that's another that's another story. <laughs> it's but is it a case in Nashville, for example, where Peter Laviolette's been there for a while and now his messages are just not working? The players he's got are just like it's just he's run out of ideas almost to get this team to keep going. Whereas you've got a new co- like Jeff Ward in Calgary, for example. 
or Sheldon Keefe in, in Toronto, where a new coach comes in and suddenly the team suddenly starts to look better and play better because it's a new it's a new message. I don't know, I don't know, but I, I think there is something to the coaching side. There has to be something to the coaching side of it, like more than people think. Definitely, I like coaching is voodoo, and I don't really understand. I don't think anyone can truly say they understand how much of an effect it has. Because as, as we've said before, you don't know what happens. You can't fully evaluate a coach's performance because you don't see everything you do. Yeah, any, true. any given NHL player, you can go back and watch all of their NHL shifts. You can see exactly what they do on the ice, their decision-making. Obviously, you can't get into the sort of the minute what they're actually thinking, but you can judge how they impact the results and how they affect the results of their own ice performance whereas with a coach you're 90% of their job is behind a curtain really isn't it but with Peter Laviolette and Nashville though like the thing with that is I just don't think the Predators roster is that good like they've got a good decor and their goal is good but that forward core is is a lot of names and that's it if you ask me like it's a lot of it's a team of second and third liners, but they should be they should be better than they are, right? Uh, I don't know. I don't think so. You're not sure. I, I don't think. I've, I've, I agree with I've, you. I agree. I agree with you about the Ford call. I agree. It's not the start of the season. Everyone's raving about it, and I think we both said, "Well, I'm not too sure, really." I, I mean, don't know about that. Their chief. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not convinced about that centre depth, but they should certainly be better than they are. Where um, I'm trying to think where they're sitting. Are they? They're not bottom of the central, are they? I'm just no, l- just they are second bottom. Oh, what ahead of Chicago? Ahead of Chicago, yeah. You are correct, but that, that said, they still got 38 points, so that's like an element of parity in itself. If they win their games in hand on Minnesota, um, they're level with the Jets. So yeah, exactly. <laughs> <sighs> it's so fucking weird. So like, yeah, you can, you can never be that bad, really. In the NHL, you have to be exceptionally bad to be really bad, and and you know you by that token you can look bad in the standings but not actually be doing that badly. If that makes I know. sense. I I'm just looking. I just quickly look. Uh, Nashville have got a better goal difference than Minnesota, who are above them by plus thirteen. They've got a better goal difference than Winnipeg, who are two places above them by plus four, and Dallas in third have only got one more. I've got two more goals. Uh, I've got two more plus goals in Nashville. And yet, yeah. they're second bottom in their division. It's just, it's just, that's just pure parity. Like, it's the whole thing of we want everybody to be in it in, to the death, even though you aren't really in it at all. Like, you look in it, I but know. you're not. I've got nothing. I got nothing. <laughs> yeah, I, I, so I wish I understood it, but I'm not. It's so confusing. I'm not hockey smart enough to to really understand it. I don't. I don't think anyone is though. I think that's the great the great trick of hockey, is that it, it is that it's nobody nobody knows really. Nobody knows really what the secret formula is. You need a you need a hot goalie who's good at a certain time. You need a player who can bang the goals in a certain time. You need a D man who gets good at, or, or you know you need like two or three D men who can play together well at a certain time, and that's it. It's all the ancillary stuff. It's all like, how is he feeling today? Has he got a cold? Is his wife mad at him? What is one of his kids in trouble at school? All that kind of shit. 
Because I think when it comes down to it, like that's more kind of what coaching is now. Because these players have been playing for years and years and years. And it's more about getting the most out of them rather than teaching them new tricks or new things to do. Mate, you know what I want to see is the next evolution in um, in sort of transparency within hockey. Come on. Obviously players getting scratched and then the coaches coming out and saying, yeah, his head just wasn't in it. He wasn't in the right zone. You know what I mean? Like, oh, that'd be he hasn't amazing. come with he hasn't come with the right any I don't know whatever it might be. Just proper straight up saying like, yeah, he dropped a bowl and smashed a bowl this morning, and he uh, hasn't been right since. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> he was walking down the stairs and trod on one of his kids' toys, and he was really pissed off the rest of the day, so he's not in the right frame of mind. <laughs> he got he got beats in traffic <laughs> on the way over here, and it's proper shaking him. <laughs> He trod on a Lego. His day is ruined. He's exactly. not playing. Yeah. Out week to week. With, that's what lower body injuries are, aren't they? Yeah. Lego at Lego injury. <laughs> Lego bipedal injury. I don't know. Yeah. Oh, mate. oh dear. That's why all these analytical people and hockey smart people are trying to make, trying to get all the money. That's what it is. They're trying to unlock the secret code. That's what it is that makes hockey, makes hockey players play. And nobody knows. It's like the Ark of the Covenant. No one's ever going to find it. And if they dare find it, it'll melt their face off. You'll get assassinated. Or Dean Lombardi will uh, plant some cocaine in your pocket for when you're travelling across the border. <laughs> there you go. That's a, that's a classic cut there. Classic. Deep, cl- a classic deep cut there. Dean, Dean Lombardi. God, that's a name you haven't thought about for a while, isn't it? And we want this week, as it's time for man versus eight-year-old, Will. Hey. Hey, Will, you schmuck. You're going to get roasted by an eight-year-old, you fool. Am I, am well, I, that am point, I still on the up and up? We've, we've hit that point, Will, where you're now ten points behind. Okay. Um, but, <laughs> okay. No, don't, don't, don't think about that. Don't think about that. It's That's not important right now. It's fine. Let's just do this week's games, and we'll move on from there. We'll see, we'll see what happens next week. I don't want to... <laughs> I don't want to commit to anything. One foot in front of the other. Yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't want to commit to anything now, but... Yeah, uh, Flyers Sabers. Uh, ooh, ooh uh, Flyers because Jack Eichel's injured. Abs Hurricanes. Hurricanes. Wait, was that Avs or Habs? Abs Avalanche. Uh, ooh. Yeah, Hurricanes. 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 Uh, Canucks Golden Knights. Uh, Golden Knights. Rangers Maple Leaves. Uh, Leafs. Stars Flames. Go on the Stars. Go on Stars. Go on, the stars. Just for clarity this week, Georgia went Flyers, Hurricanes, Canucks, Rangers, and Stars. There you go. Can't believe I'm 10 points behind. (laughs) Who would have known my daughter was so smart? Not me, that's for sure. All right, anyway. That's our show. Late one this week, folks. Family things, you know how it is. As I mentioned before, we do this for free and because we love you. So (laughs) there we are. (laughs) Oh, mate. Well, any last words? I do, I do have some last words this week, Dan. Um, right. So you get 200-foot players, yeah? Yeah. Yeah, your, your Patrice Bergeron's, your Jonathan Taves's, your Mark Stones's. Yeah. You get your, your, your two-way D. Good at both ends of the rink, sort of thing. Indeed. No uh, no 200-foot goalies. Ooh. When are we getting the first 200-foot goalie? And is it... Fans to Ahima. There's the goalie. There you go. 
There's the goalie evolution. There's the goalie evolution. That's what that is. We need to get rid of that rule because there's that rule that goalies can't cross the red line, isn't there? Yeah, well, yeah. There we go. Manuel Neuer, wasn't it? It's, it's, uh, we, we need a sweeper keeper. That's what we need. That's hockey. what we need. I want the, yeah, those classic clips of like PK Subban jumping up and down, begging for a, for a one timer from the point. I want to see <laughs> bloody you know, Anton Hudobin up there doing that sort of shit. Just like smacking his paddle on the floor. Give it to me. Pass it to me. <laughs> he just like roofs it top cheese. They've literally got possession, Anton. Get back in your fucking net. Alrighty. There we go. Take care, folks. We'll see you later. Peace.